0: All right, well, I planned to preach through the first four trumpets last Sunday, and we didn't get to it. I preached on silence in heaven for half an hour, and guess what? Our Facebook went silent too, so I thought that was a sign. God was just confirming things, but we're going we're gonna to power through six trumpets today with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the help of Adam, and with the help of James. All right, so we're going to power. Y'all didn't look too confident. You're like, I don't think we can do it. We can do it through Christ. Amen? Amen? All right. I'm going to get Adam to read our Revelation text text for us this morning. And then James is going to help us out with some of our uh, peripheral texts. So, Adam, would you read um, Revelation 8, 1 through 5?
1: When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, and for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before the God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden star, which was before the throne. And the smoke and the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. All right, so the Lamb is the one opening the seals.
0: There's a silence in heaven for half an hour. And that's a song that speaks to the solemnity, I believe, of the occasion. There are seven, angel, seven unnamed angels standing in the presence of God. Now, we know that Gabriel stands in the presence of God, according to Luke chapter 1. There's another angel that stands at the golden altar, and it's not the lamb, uh, this is another angel, and he offers up incense with the prayers of the saints. Now we talked about the altar of incense, that's uh, synonymous with the prayers of God's people. And these things that are happening are in response to the prayers of God's people, Uh, perhaps the martyrs of Revelation 6.10. Fire, uh, the, the coals from the fire are thrown to the earth. So that brings us to the first trumpet. And think about these, these judgments. There's seven seal judgments, then there's se- and the seventh seal contains the seven trumpet judgments. Uh, then when you get to the seventh trumpet, you're going to have seven bowls, seven bowl judgments. And they're, they're increasing in, uh, in intensity. So there's a, the severity is getting uh, greater as we go through, through these. All right, so Adam, would you read verse um, 8 and 9 now? No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry.
1: Verse 7, yeah, verse 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and on the third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Okay, so there's a number of usage of trumpets
0: in the scriptures. Um, and I got these from John MacArthur. Numbers 10, they could be used to summon the congregation of Israel. They could be used to sound an alarm in the time of war. At religi- religious festivals, to announce news. First Samuel 13, to acclaim uh, new kings. Zechari- uh, Zephaniah 1 associates it with the day of the Lord. First uh, Thessalonians, the trumpet announces the rapture. Don't confuse these with the rapture, though. It's not the same trumpet. These are judgments, and they speak of the day of the Lord. Now, that first trumpet, Adam, excuse me, uh, James, if you will, go ahead and turn to Exodus 9, Exodus 9. There's hail, fire mingled with blood. A third of the trees are destroyed. Some translations have a third of the earth. Man, the environmentalists are going to have a hard time when that happens, aren't they? All green grass uh, is destroyed. Now there is a historical precedent here. And James is going to read us uh, from Exodus. Exodus 9, uh, 22 through 26.
2: And the, Lord, and the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand towards heaven, that there may be hail in all of the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both the man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where where the children of Israel were, was there no hail.
0: Okay, so God's people were protected. But here's a historical precedent of God doing this. now, how's God going to do it? I don't know, but He's God. So either we believe it or we don't. Do you believe God created the earth? So for Him to send hail and fire on the earth is no big deal, right? He parted the Red Sea, so on and so forth. All right. Now, back to Revelation.
1: Adam, if you want to read 8 and 9 now. And the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, notice he says something
0: like, as far as the figure of speech, what is like and as? Anybody? Simile, that's right, it's a simile. Busy as a bee, uh, fit as a fiddle, that kind of thing. So it's something like a great mountain. Is it a meteor? Uh, we don't know. But the depth, the uh, the salt water is going to be devastated. The ocean will be devastated. James, would you read Exodus 7, uh, 19 through 21?
2: And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thy hand upon the waters of Egypt. "...upon their streams, upon their rivers, upon their ponds, and upon their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all of the waters that were in the river were turned to blood." And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. All right, devastating things. All right, let's do
0: to the third trumpet now, verses 10 and 11 of Revelation. Adam.
1: When the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from the heaven, burning like a torch, it fell on a third of the rivers and on, on the spring of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Okay, again,
0: uh, maybe a meteor or an asteroid, we don't know. Something like a torch. Um, third of the fresh water. and th- This is our drinking water, guys. And... Not, not ours, but the people in the tribulation period, and notice the literal language. It says many men will die. So this is this is not figurative. A Wormwood, called Artemisia absinthium or something close to that. Easy for you to say. It's a bitter herb, also called hemlock, uh, in some places. Supposedly, that's what it looks like. And I know it has to be true because it's on the Internet. So <laughs> um, Dr. Henry Morris says it's suggested that it's a poison derived from a root of some kind, um, very bitter, produces drunkenness, and eventual death. Uh, it is associated with another poison known as gall. It was offered Christ... Uh, when he was on the cross, but he refused. All right, so let's go to trumpet number four, verses
1: 12.
0: Yeah, verse 12, I'm sorry.
1: Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard on an angel flying through the midst of the heavens saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. All right, so
0: a third of the moon. Start. Notice these are all thirds. Judgment of a third shows God's in control. There is precedent for this. Uh, James, you want to read Exodus 10, uh,
2: verses 21 through 29. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven. And there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that they may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind. For therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me. Take heed to thyself. See my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. I like it when Moses says that.
0: I do, I just, I do. So there's darkness that may be felt. Uh, The luminaries, and keep in mind, people are worshiping the earth during these days, the sun and the moon. And what God is saying is, look guys, there's no, no need to worship this stuff. I made it. I created it um James, while you're in the Old Testament, <laughs> go to go to Genesis, please. It shouldn't take you long to find it either. <laughs> James, you've done some good preaching this morning, son, you keep telling me you're not called to preach. <clears throat> All right, are y'all familiar with the uh, the creation account? Now, James, would you read verses 1 through one through 3? Uh, Genesis 1,
2: 1 through 3. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Ah, so there's light on day one. Amen? Yes. So let's go to day four. Would you
0: read verses 14 and 14
2: through 19? And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also and God sent them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to give the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and and the evening and the morning were the fourth day
0: All right, so we don't have the sun and the moon until the fourth day, guys. There's light before then. You think God knew that people were going to worship the sun and the stars? Yeah, he knew. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 8 now. Buckle your seatbelts, guys. It's about to get hairy. (laughs) Adam, would you read verse 13? Finish the chapter here.
1: When I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, "Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound." All right. So there is three more trumpets.
0: So there is three more woes. Right. So these thre- these last three are different than the first four. They're far more severe. The first four dealt with creation. These next ones are going to deal with ma- with mankind. Okay, And we're going to come to a difficult portion of Scripture, and a lot of preachers won't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And I may wish I had a 20-foot pole by the time I'm done. But uh, demons are real, folks. They are real. And uh, you don't need to be afraid of them, because God gave us power. We tread on serpents and scorpions, but they're real. But notice who the woe is for. It's not for the Christians. Church is not on the earth during the tribulation. There are saints on the earth, but not the church. See, we're not earth dwellers. Now, the Bible, the transla- most of our translations say the inhabitants of the earth, but it's the earth dwellers. We've run into it time and again. Where is our citizenship? Heaven, right? I'm not an earth dweller. I live here, but this ain't my home. We're passing through. Jesus says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we're not earth dwellers. The woe is not for us. The woe is for the earth dwellers. And you're going to see that very vividly in chapter 9. Like I said, buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> All right, I don't want to do this Henry. Adam, I'm going to get you to help me. I'm just trying to figure out how much I wanted you to chew off to to start with. I guess read verses 1 through 11. Let's
1: just
0: go ahead and and knock out that trumpet.
1: (laughs) Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth, and to him was given a key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arise out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or the green thing, or, the, or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them, torment them for five months. The torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and the death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts are like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like faces of men. They had like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots and many horses running into battle they had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails the power was to hurt the men five months and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in hebrew is abandoned and but in greek he was the name apollyon all right thank you these are some some weird
0: creatures aren't they First thing you'll note is this, this: angel sounded the fifth trumpet, and a star has fallen from heaven. Literally, has already fallen is the way it reads in the Greek. So, a lot of people believe that this is Satan, and he's given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, the Greek word here for bottomless pit is the abuso, uh, abuso, or the abyss. <clears throat> now, this is a place where certain demons are incarcerated. Now, apparently, they're not all incarcerated. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I mean, your experience would tell you that, right? Probably on the way to work, excuse me, on the way to church this morning, you, you probably encountered some demons, didn't you? Now, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about <laughs> spiritual warfare. You know, Whenever you try to do something for God, the devil's going to fight you. He's going to fight you. But apparently, some of these are incarcerated in this place called the abyss. Now, James, I want you to read Luke Eight Gospel of Luke eight twenty seven through thirty three. Interesting story here. Interesting request made by some demons. Luke eight twenty seven through thirty
2: three. it came to pass on a certain day I'm sorry what, what was the number uh, Luke 8 27 through 33 27 33 okay. Luke 8 27 to 33 and when he went forth to land there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time and wear no clothes neither abode in any house but in the tombs when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, "What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not." For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands, and was driven from the, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. (laughs) Even the pigs couldn't stand to have demons in
0: them. And uh, so they, I think there's an allusion to the flood there. I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to probe that too much. but just, Just food for thought. But they asked Jesus, don't send us, most translations say send us to the deep but the word is the abuso. They did not want to go to that place of incarceration. Now, some believe that the angels who fell uh, and who, who participated in Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God and the daughters of men, that those are the ones who were incarcerated there. I, we'll, we'll talk about that more uh, at, a, at another time. But uh, but nevertheless, there are some incarcerated. Uh, unfortunately, there are many who are not. Amen. <laughs> and Jesus encountered some of them uh, in that In that narrative, now this is an unusual army of locusts. Exodus ten. I'm not going. I'm going to give James a break here. He won't have to read that. You can read about it. That's the plague. um, Plague number eight is the plague of locusts in the in Exodus chapter ten. But just like with um, with Israel, the people of God are protected, right? Uh, And and so it is here. They're given the ability to torment, but not to kill. In five months, the only thing I could find precedent for five months was the flood of Noah. It lasted for five months. I don't understand this, but men will not be able to commit suicide. Notice again all the figurative language, like and as, like and as. Now, an interesting little scripture tucked away in the book of Proverbs chapter 30 verse 27 James you want to read that just read it off the, the wall there
2: if you can see it yes sir it Says the locusts have no king yet they go forth all of them by bands
0: interesting that the Holy Spirit would go to the trouble to tell us that the locusts have no king but yet this army does have a king so that tells us they're not a human, they're not a a, a a literal locust, because they don't have a king. These have a king, and his name is Apollyon and Abaddon, which is destroyer in Hebrew and Greek. All right, sixth trumpet, you didn't think we'd do it today, did you? But we are. We're going to do it. All right. Adam, if you'll start in verse 12 and read the remainder. No, I'm sorry. Don't do the remainder. <laughs> do 12 through 19.
1: 12 through 19. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Can you say through words, yes, do 19. Then the six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the six angels who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates." So the four angels who had been prepared for the the hour and day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of the mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard a number of them. I'm not done. I'm sorry. Keep going through verse 19. I'm sorry. Sorry. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, blue, and sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of the, their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. But these three plagues, by these three plagues a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power in their, is their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Okay, thank you. So there's four
0: angels loosed. Now this voice comes from the golden altar, the horns. And that's a place of mercy. You would flee for refuge and grab hold of the horns of the altar. But now it's not an altar of mercy anymore. It's an altar of judgment. Euphrates place of tremendous significance. This is where the Garden of Eden uh, was. This is where the first lie was told. It's where the first sin took place. Where the first murder took place. This was the, uh, where the first rebellion against God, the Tower of Babel, the plain of Shinar took place. This was the border of the Promised Land. The eastern border of the Promised Land was on the Euphrates River. These angels were loosed at the, at, at, at a predetermined time. The day, the hour, the month, the year. Not a minute before, not a minute after. God has a clock, folks. He's got a timetable. And that goes for your life, too. There's a lot of stuff you're praying for. and, And Satan wants you to give up. And God says he's not telling you no. He's just saying not yet. It's just not the time yet. But at the appointed time, it will come to pass. So don't lose heart. Now, notice a third of humanity is destroyed here. Remember our little finger exercise that we did? All right, go back to Revelation 6. Adam, would you read verse
1: 8? So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on him was Death, and Hades followed with him. And the power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword with hunger and death and by the beast of the earth. All right,
0: thanks. So that was the seal where a fourth. So let's hold up our, let's do our little exercise. This will help you stay awake. Hold up four fingers. So I'm sure I ain't doing it. Nobody tell me what to do. It's okay. You don't have to if you don't want to. But you're going to miss out on a real blessing because we're going to talk about half of the world getting annihilated here. So seal number four, put down your pinky. That's a fourth of the population, right? You still got three fingers up? Yeah. By the time you get to the sixth trumpet, put down another finger because a third is gone. You're left with how many fingers? Two, right? So by the time you get to the trumpet number six, half of the world's population has been extinct. That's, that's tremendous. You can put your fingers down now. Because I know you want to put one more down and just give me that middle one, right? That's what you want to do. <clears throat> Maybe later. It's not appropriate right now. Uh, (laughs) it'll help you remember though. That's why I do these little goofy things because visuals sometimes help you to remember. Remember our Ten Commandments thing? We'll do that in a later later time. We still got to get through this. Um, Tremendous. Tremendous carnage. There's 8 billion people on earth right now. That's 4 billion people. Gone. Notice the army is, uh, some of your translations will say 200 million the Greek literally says, two myriads of myriads. The idea is really innumerable, is really the idea that's conveyed. Now John sees horses, notice he doesn't use a simile this time. The locusts were like horses, but he doesn't use a simile this time. The riders have breastplates of fire, hyacinth, which is blue. Anybody ever seen hyacinth flowers? and brimstone yellow. The horses have heads like lions. The horses kill with fire, smoke, and brimstone. Well, that sounds a lot like God's judgment on hell, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like it. Now, the locust had tails like, I've got it wrong up here, it says like locust, but it should say like scorpions. But these horses have uh, tails like a serpent. That's a crazy-looking creature, isn't it? All right, let's go to the prophet Joel. Let's all turn there, but I'm going to get James to read it. <laughs> prophet Joel, and I believe Joel describes this army that we just read about. Now remember the first group, they tormented the people who were not sealed. But they were not able to kill, right? God put a restraint on them, just like he did with Job. There are limits to what God will allow the devil to do in your life. But in this judgment, they are not restrained. All right, Joel 1, 15 through 2,
2: 11. Read it real nice and loud. Hold that microphone up right? Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. It is not the meat cut off before our eyes, yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under their clods, the garners are laid desolate, the barns are broken down, and the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of the cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there there hath not been ever like this, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations." A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of a fire that devoureth the stubble. As a strong people set in battle array. Before the face of people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his way. And they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one trust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city, they shall run upon the wall, and they shall climb upon the houses, and they shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them, and the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining, and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it?
0: Okay, thank you. So clearly Joel is describing not an, uh, uh, anything that's happened in the past. It, there, w- there was an, uh, a, a judgment that happened in his day, but he's seeing into the future. He's seeing revelation. This unnatural army, this demonic army who's coming with fire and brimstone. Let's go back to Revelation 9 and we're coming in for a landing here. Revelation 9. Now, you would think, after seeing all of this, half of the world's population has been annihilated. You would think that a mighty revival would take place. I mean, you would think. Is that what happens? No, unfortunately not. All right, uh, Adam, would you read verse 20
1: and 21, I'm sorry. But then the rest of the mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of their works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and the idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts.
0: This is why you don't pray for terrible things to happen to unsaved people. I, I've heard Christians say, well, I'm praying that something, you know, something terrible will happen. They'll have a car accident and they'll turn to God. Don't do that because there's no guarantee anybody would turn to God. I have got friends in my own life who have had... They've had brushes with death time and time and time again and they're still as stubborn as ever. God's Spirit is the only thing that's going to draw a man to Jesus Christ. You you, you can't, there's there's a scripture in Proverbs, I can't quote it verbatim, but I'm going to give you the Henry Haney translation of it. There is a proverb that says you can't beat the fool out of people. There's some of them you want to beat the fool out of them, but you can't beat or you could say, you can't fix stupid. Uh, you like that one, didn't you? You like that one? So you're, you're preaching now. You, you can't beat the fool out of people. And so, all of this stuff that's happening, still people are going to worship their, their idols. Their demon worship. You know, it's interesting. Some of these are locust insects, and the Bible talks about creeping things, worshiping creeping things. What about murder? Murder is, is, is ever-present, isn't it? I got some statistics I got Rebecca to give me from Hope Pregnancy Center. By the way, Rebecca thanked us for uh, our church gave almost $3,000 during the baby bottle drive towards saving the unborn. Praise God. She gave me some statistics. These are from 2020, and I remember that was COVID year when everything was shut down, so the numbers were probably not as high as they normal, normally would have been, but in 2020, North Carolina had a total of 30,000 abortions. Anson County doesn't have 30,000 people in it. We're just, we're over 20,000. So imagine going into every home in Anson County and killing somebody brutally. That's what happened in North Carolina in 2020. Um, And there's a lot of statistics I'm not going to go over. But she also said that North Carolina, because the abortion laws are getting tougher in some places, that North Carolina is considered an abortion tourism state. Now, I used to work for Walmart corporate. I'm not here to bash corporations. But while we're, we're, we're talking about we're boycotting this and that and the other, Walmart uh, said that they would help anybody that wanted to have an abortion. You know, if, if your state was not conducive, they would help you. And so we've got an agenda. We've got institutionalized murder, guys. Institutionalized murder. Sorcery. The Greek word is pharmakon. That's where we get our word pharmacy from. Drug use. I'm not talking about medicinal things. I'm talking about recreational, trying to get into an altered state. And by the way, that's a great way to get demon-possessed. It's a great way to get demon-possessed. You ask any uh, addict, and they'll tell you. Uh, that's just a great way to do it. Fe, uh, excuse me, e- sexual immorality, porneous in the Greek. So that's all matter of sexual uh, immorality. Some people say, well, God didn't say anything about homosexuality or, or, or bestiality. Jesus did say that in the beginning he made them male and female. That settles the gender issue. It's not a spectrum. It settles the gender issue. And he says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So God's statement on sexuality is this. It's one man, one woman, for one life. Now, as, as Brother James said earlier, does that mean if somebody's a fornicator, they can't be forgiven? Absolutely not. You can be forgiven of that just like any other sin. If you've committed an abortion, you can be forgiven and restored. If you're in, if you're in homosexuality, you can be delivered from that and be saved. You know? And it's real easy for us to point our finger at the homosexual, by the way, there are only about 1% of the population is homosexual. Now, you would think the number was a lot greater because every movie, every television show, everything is pride this and pride that. It's only 1% of the population, and it's easy to preach against that because most of us don't struggle with it, to be honest with you. But for those people who are struggling with it, they need to know they can be forgiven that God doesn't hate them, He just hates what they're doing, right? I mean, they can be delivered and be saved. What about theft? comes from the Greek word klepto. I don't think I need to comment on that, do I? You know what a kleptomaniac is? Yes, we do. And we see it every time there's a tragedy, don't we? Every time there's a natural disaster, what's the first thing that happens? Everybody's looting and stealing. And this is going to be on a wide scale. Imagine half the world's on fire, right? And you're going to see this, the, the, the base element of society is going to be doing their thing. Just like the plagues did not soften Pharaoh's heart, he got harder and harder and harder. That's what is going to happen to the earth dwellers. Final slide here. Praise God. Six trumpets. Six trumpets. What can we take away from this? Well, number one, God's not willing that any should perish. That's why the the judgments are increasing in severity is each time God's given people a little bit more time, a little bit more of a chance, a little bit more of an opportunity. God's not willing that any should perish. He said he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Hell was not made for people. If you read Matthew 25, Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and for his angels. If you go there, my goodness, if you go to hell... You'll basically have to trample the Son of God underfoot because He's done everything He can to stand in your way from going to hell. He died on that cross and even now He's calling out to you, saying, I love you. I've demonstrated my love for you and that while you were still a sinner, I died for you. Prayer. Sometimes we say, well, all we can do is pray as if that were the least of things. Prayer is not the least of what we can do. Prayer is the greatest thing we can do. And like James was testifying earlier, you never know but what your prayer might be the one prayer that makes a difference in somebody's life. Somebody's life. You could go to Romans 1. I'm not going to go there and preach right now. But Romans 1 will tell you what happens when you worship the creature... Instead of the creation. You know what's going to happen? Exactly what's happening in the United States of America. A spirit of stupidity will fall on your nation. Your men won't know that they're men. Your women won't know that they're women. And God will give them up and give them up and give them over finally to a reprobate mind. And that's a dangerous thing. These judgments are increasing in intensity. But look guys. There's a fate worse than death. These people are experiencing hell on earth and they want to die because they think it's going to be a release from death. But what they're going to find out is what they're going to is far worse. Hell is a real place. Just like heaven is. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. And if you die without Jesus Christ, that's where you'll go. And it's not for a minute, for an hour, for a week. It is for eternity you'll be separated from God. Hebrews 2. In light of all this, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Would you stand? I don't fully understand everything that we read this morning. I don't think anybody does. But I know this I know I don't want to be here. You can escape. You can escape. You can escape hell. You say, well, Henry, are you trying to scare people? If that'll work on you. Some folks, it won't work. But if I can scare you out of hell, I'll do it. Because Jesus Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again the third day. And he says, if you will repent and come to me and trust me, that's all you got to do is trust him for salvation. If you'll come and trust him, repent. Receive him as your Lord Your name is written down on that book, and you won't be an earth dweller anymore. You'll be a stranger and a pilgrim on your way to a city whose builder and maker is God. If that's you, would you come? Maybe you got a lost loved one that you want to come pray for.